Hello and welcome to the Rhesus Medicine Podcast with me, Dr. Reese Welnichuk, where I take medical topics and try to make them easier to remember. These podcasts are based on the YouTube videos and PDFs are available on Patreon. With that being said, let's get on with it. In this episode, we're looking at the neurological examination of the lower limbs. As always, be sure to prepare before any assessment, remembered with the wipe mnemonic, for washing hands and wiping down any equipment, introducing yourself to the patient and confirming their identity, obtaining permission to perform the exam, including roughly what it involves, as well as positioning the patient, which will vary in this case, but generally is lying supine, and expose them appropriately. This generally means exposing from the hips down, leaving the underwear. Equipment needed includes a sharp object like a neurotip, tendon hammer, and tuning fork. Firstly, we observe the patient generally, looking for any clues for underlying or previous pathology, and assessing for size, shape, and symmetry of the legs. The mnemonic SWIFT helps us remember scars such as from previous surgeries or even trauma, wasting of muscles that may be symmetrical or asymmetrical and can reflect atrophy from disuse or lower motor neuron lesions. Also remember hypertrophy here that can be the result of compensation. I is for involuntary movements, including career, that are irregular brief contractions that appear to flow between muscles, seen in Huntington's disease. Myoclonus, that are brief, involuntary, irregular contractions, and tardive dyskinesia, that are repetitive, involuntary body movements with lip smacking, tongue protrusion, and grimacing. F is for fasciculations, that are small, localized muscle contractions visible beneath the skin. T is for tremors, that may be resting, meaning minimal during activity, or action tremors, that become more apparent during particular movements. Next is tone, which is the muscle's resistance to passive stretching. It is tested by asking the patient to relax their legs entirely while lying on a bed and gently rolling each leg, passively externally and internally rotating the leg and feeling for the resistance. Another technique is to place your hands under the popliteal fossa and gently lift the knee and observe the heel. In normal cases, the heel will remain touching the bed. In excess tone, it will also rise. A third way is to sharply dorsiflex the ankle and feel for clonus, that are rhythmic contractions in response to the tendon stretch. More than five in a row indicate increased tone. Excess resistance, termed hypertonia, can reflect an upper motor neuron lesion. Both rigidity and spasticity are examples of hypertonia, but rigidity is independent of velocity, which means that regardless of how fast the limb is moved, the resistance feels similar, and this is sometimes called lead pipe rigidity. It is the result of extrapyramidal causes such as Parkinson's disease, and when a tremor is superimposed, it is described as cogwheel rigidity. Spasticity is velocity dependent, meaning that the faster the limb moves, the more resistance is felt, sometimes described as clasp-knife rigidity, due to the resistance changing throughout the movement. It is due to pyramidal causes like a stroke. 
On the other hand, a lack of resistance called hypotonia is typically associated with lower motor neuron lesions. Power is assessed using the Medical Research Council scale from 0 to 5, where 0 has no visible muscle contraction, 1 has visible muscle contraction with no or only trace movement, 2 has limb movement but not against gravity, 3 has movement against gravity but not resistance, 4 has movement against some resistance, and 5 is full strength. A particular myotome is tested and should be compared with the other side. This is done via hip flexion for L1 and L2, tested by asking the patient to straight leg raise, hip extension for L5, S1 and S2, tested by placing a hand under the patient's thigh and asking them to resist as you pull up, knee extension for L3 and L4, tested by asking the patient to bend their knees while lying supine and placing a hand around their ankles and asking them to kick out against resistance. Knee flexion for L5 and S1, tested by asking them to pull the heel towards the buttocks as you hold the ankle. Ankle dorsiflexion is for L4 and L5, and ankle plantar flexion for S1 and S2, tested by asking the patient to dorsiflex and plantar flex against resistance respectively, and great toe extension is used for L5, tested by asking the patient to extend the big toe against resistance. Upper motor neuron lesions tend to affect the lower limb flexors more so than the extensors, whereas lower motor neuron lesions will tend to cause a focal pattern of weakness isolated to the affected nerves. Next up are the deep tendon reflexes. Reflexes are involuntary contractions occurring in response to stretch of a tendon. These are useful in distinguishing an upper or lower motor neuron lesion. They are best assessed using a tendon hammer holding its tip and letting the rubber head fall onto the tendon, often with your finger in between. Bear in mind they can be difficult to elicit, and if absent, you should try reinforcement manoeuvres like jaw clenching or gendrastics manoeuvre, where the patient hooks their fingers together and pulls apart to help increase the reflex. The most commonly used are the patella or knee jerk reflex, testing L3 and L4, that involves contraction of the quadriceps and therefore knee extension, in response to percussion of the patella tendon. Achilles or ankle jerk reflex tests S1, and it comes from contraction of the gastrocnemius, soleus and plantaris muscles in response to percussion of the Achilles tendon, and be sure to observe the lower leg for contraction, as plantar flexion of the foot may only occur in some people. While not strictly a deep tendon reflex, it's useful to know the plantar reflex test for Babinski's sign, where a blunt object is dragged up the lateral border of the foot and under the transverse arch while observing the toes. Upwards movement of the big toe and spreading of the toes indicates an upper motor neuron lesion. Hyperreflexia, meaning excessive reflex response, is associated with upper motor neuron lesions, as there is normally inhibition coming from the central nervous system that is lost in upper motor neuron lesions. Hyporeflexia is associated with lower motor neuron lesions affecting the normal reflex arc. Next is coordination. Be sure to have checked power before this as weakness can present as poor coordination. Tests include the heel to shin test where the patient moves their foot onto the contralateral knee and slides the foot down towards the other foot 
then repeats it on the other side. Another option is to ask the patient to repeatedly tap their feet against your hands. I also include here observation of the gait. Ask them to walk away from you and to return, noting the posture, arm swing, stability including the base, stride length and height, and turning. Classic gait abnormalities include the shuffling gait seen in Parkinson's disease, typically also featuring limited arm swing and turning, as well as a tendency to freeze when presented with a transition such as a doorway. The ataxic gait, described as an unsteady, broad-based gait that may be cerebellar or sensory in nature, and can also be the result of alcohol use. This can be tested by asking the patient to walk heel to toe. The waddling gait, where lifting of the leg is aided by tilting of the pelvis to the side, seen as a result of proximal leg weakness. And the high stepping gait, where the person lifts their foot high off the ground to avoid striking the toes on the floor, seen as a result of foot drop. Romberg's test involves assessing proprioception and vestibular function, where the patient is asked to stand with the feet close together and to close their eyes. To remain balanced, the patient requires two out of three of vestibular function, proprioception and vision. In Romberg's test, the patient stands and closes their eyes and thus removes vision. Therefore, if the patient falls without correction, it's considered a positive test indicating sensory ataxia, meaning unsteadiness as a result either of a lack of proprioceptive or vestibular input. It does not assess cerebellar function. Sensation is the least objective component of the lower limb examination. However, can still provide clues as to any underlying neurological problems. It involves touching the patient with different objects in particular dermatomes and assessing for any discrepancy between dermatomes and both legs. It normally begins by confirming the patient can feel the neurotip or cotton wool on the sternum first. Varying modalities are tested as different tracts are involved in the transmission. The spinothalamic tract and dorsal column pathways are crudely assessed with light touch. Spinothalamic tract also help carry pain sensation, for which we use the pinprick, and the dorsal column pathways carry vibration sensation, assessed using a tuning fork, by placing the vibrating tuning fork onto the interphalangeal joint of the patient's big toe. If they are able to feel the vibrating stop as you interrupt the tuning fork, the column is intact. If sensory deficits are found, then continue to move from distal to proximal to identify if at any level the sensation becomes normal. That may suggest a disturbance in the region of that spinal level. Remember that a neurological exam not only detects neurological deficits, but also helps in identifying where the deficit is arising from, particularly distinguishing upper and lower motor neuron lesions. In general, Upper motor neuron lesions are indicated by an increase in tone, hyperreflexia, positive extensor plantar reflexes like Babinski's sign, and reduced power in a pyramidal pattern, which is weaker flexors than extensors in the legs and the opposite in the arms. Lower motor neuron lesions tend to feature a reduction in tone, reduced reflexes, normal plantar reflexes, and reduced power. Complete the examination by thanking the patient and asking them to dress, 
as well as summarising your findings and considering any further assessments or imaging that may be needed.